Radio Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Let's rev up the conversation. Time for Driven Radio Show. Hey, all you gearheads and car fiends, welcome to Driven Radio Show, your weekly automotive happy hour. I am Brett Hatfield, here with my co-host and engineer extraordinaire, Mr. Mark Groves. Yo. We are coming to you from the all-new Driven Radio Studios, no longer in my wife's dining room, <laughs> but in a for real, honest to God, dedicated studio in uh, our new digs. That I we're do still miss working into. around the false graph. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's sad, but you know, somebody's got to. Well, hey, at least the dog can't wander over by the little <laughs> gate and sniff at us while we're doing this. Truth. Our special guests this week are Dave Kenny and Greg Ingold of the Haggerty Price Guide. Dave is a lifelong automotive enthusiast, collector, and owner of automotive valuation firm U.S. Appraisal. He's also an accredited senior appraiser with the American Society of Appraisers, contributor to Haggerty Insider, and publisher of the Haggerty Price Guide. Dave also serves on the McPherson College Advisory Board. Thank you, sir. And, uh, shit, mark that. Mm-hmm. Greg Ingold is an avid car enthusiast and ed- editor of the Haggerty Price Guide, a member of the Haggerty Valuation Team since 2014, and Dave and Greg visit us every quarter to tell us what's new in the Price Guide. Gentlemen, welcome back to Driven Radio. Great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. You know, it, it, we were late on the last one and got this one right as it came out. So it seems like it does. It hasn't been that long since we saw the two of you, but I'm glad to have you back as always. Uh, let's talk Amelia Island. Sales at Amelia Island continued the robust streak in the collector car market this year, or uh, over the last several years, with nearly 450 cars on offer, and the total sales got close to $180 million, which is a a new record by quite a wide margin. Uh, Gooding and Company and RM Sotheby's equally split the top 10 sales for the week. The high sale uh, for the week was a 62 Ferrari 250 GT short wheelbase California uh, offered by Gooding and Company. Um, It sold for over $17 million. Good God. And uh, a 59 Ferrari 250 GT California long wheelbase sold at RM Sotheby's after the auction finished, and they didn't disclose the amount, but I'm sure it was a handsome sum. Uh, the high sale at RM was a 2010 Pagani Zonda R Revolution spec that sold for $5.34 million. Are the results at Amelia indicative of the current market as a whole? Greg, why don't you take that? I, I think I think that uh, Amelia Island was just I mean as as you mentioned it, it was spectacular but um, you know I think that it still shows that the best cars are going to bring the best money and RM really loaded their their docket with some of the best cars uh, Gooding and Company uh, were no slouch either. I mean, this was uh, RM's last year at Amelia. They they announced uh, just before the sale, so they wanted they went out with a bang, and they have really brought their A game. Uh, I was covering RM, so yeah, I absolutely agree. When you walked in that front tent, and you guys saw it too, uh, front and center was that Pagani, and I haven't spent a lot of time around those, but I walked over and I was taking pictures of it, and opened one of the doors to take an interior shot. I'm pretty sure my shoes weigh more than that door did. 
Oh, oh, for sure. It's a pretty amazing car. And and like you said, I I think everybody tried to bring their A game here uh, to to Amelia. It was a it was a great show. Uh, You know, big props to uh, uh, to the show itself. It was fantastic. Saturday, uh, you know, uh, before the uh, the big Sunday, both days were just full of cars and lots and lots of happy people. I think that they also break a, broke an attendance record at, uh, at yeah. Amelia as well. So, yeah, you know, it's one of those uh, everybody's out, everybody's trying to do car things, and everybody's having fun. So, look good. Um, that all being said, though, we got some really strange news from the price guide that we'll get into in a little bit. Because uh, even though things are really looking good on the on the outside, there's some backpedaling going on on a whole bunch of cars. So that's that's the story this year that, uh, or this, this, uh, book that we've got some really interesting sliders and some really good, uh, up and comers. And so. I, I do want to talk about that, but before we get away from Amelia Island, do you think that RM leaving Amelia is going to create big opportunities for other companies? And the one I'm, I'm really th- wondering about is broad arrow because they are new to Amelia. Oh yeah, I think so. I don't know about Greg, what what you think, but uh, Amelia's kind of well established or very well established, and uh, RM's taking their uh, show and they're moving down to uh, uh, the Miami area. And I'm going to just say this uh, in my out loud voice: I think Miami and Jacksonville are about as far as you can get and stay in one state. I mean, I think the Miami crowd is a lot more about Pagani Zondas and uh, the. Uh, you know, the crowd at Amelia is a lot more about uh, stuff going up to the 90s and 2000s. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, where each uh, each auction house decides to diversify. So uh, I expect the Gooding will stay there. I expect the Bonhams will be there. Uh, and, of course, Broad Arrow. So it's going to, it's, you know, there's a new uh, a new dynamic in the uh, Amelia Island space and time. So we'll see, we'll see exactly what happens. That saying that though, there's room for everybody. I mean, if mm-hmm. somebody wants to hold an event 300 miles away, uh, good for them. Uh, you know, uh, best of luck, and I hope they do well. Have, Absolutely. Have you heard? Uh, uh, are they going to change the uh, date that they hold uh, their event? RM when they move to Miami, they're not going to do it the same weekend as Amelia, are they? That's my understanding. Yes. Are they really? That's mm-hmm. interesting. That's very interesting. Oh, yeah. yeah. Another thought on Amelia or on uh, RM before we get away from that. Uh, I've been doing this for sports car market for a while now, and I've seen a little bit of everything. But RM had a handful of cars I've never seen up close before. I had never before seen a 288 GTO up close. Uh, I've seen an F50, and I've seen a handful of F40s. But they had an amazing selection of stuff. I'd never seen a, a 250 GT California of any spec, long wheelbase or short wheelbase. And that thing was incredible. And they did have a, a handful of really fantastic blue chip cars. Absolutely. Um, they, you know, I think, like I said, that people were pulling out the stops for, uh, uh, for uh, Amelia this year. And it really showed up. It showed up in the amount of people there. It showed up in the volume of the sales and uh we're going to see what happens next year i mean it's uh, you know the the good thing about the car market is it's always changing i mean if you 
you know, if you're just looking at Model A's, you're going to be disappointed. Model T's, you're just going to be disappointed because there aren't as many out there. But now, I mean, look at the cars from the uh, from from 2000 and up that were represented at the sales and on the fields of the uh, at least of the uh, you know the preliminary to the auction day and I mean preliminary to the Concord day and the day of the Concord. Um, things always change, so it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I think everybody pulled out the stops this year, and, and RM being, you know, I think they really want to go out with a bang, and I I think that their docket looked a lot like a uh, more like a Monterey docket than it did an Amelia Island docket, and mm-hmm. I, I think that's why we saw so many just amazing cars out there this year. Is it, you know, they're going out, and everybody wants to, nobody wants to be left behind. Yeah, as an idiot who's never been to one of these things. Uh, how do they find the cars? Do people just come up and say, Hey, I want to sell it at this, or are they out actually grooming and looking for specific vehicles and specific collections? Hey, you're not an idiot. You just haven't been to one of these things. So it's, uh, <laughs> okay. I'm ignorant. <laughs> just... well, you know, watching from the outside is a lot easier to do now because you know, everything's broadcast and live stream and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. But, um, no, the answer is both. I mean, sometimes the cars come organically to the auction companies. People say, Hey, I've been thinking about selling my Ferrari collection. And, you know, the auction company says, uh, you know, let's hook you up. And they might shop it to different auction companies. It'd be a broker. Uh, yeah, an owner. Uh, all kinds of things. So uh, uh, it just depends. Um, a lot of the times the specialists who work for the auction companies have long-term relationships with these owners. And, and, you know, one of the funny things is sometimes they just get bored with the cars they have. They say, <laughs> Hey, I've got a whole bunch of, uh, you know, purple Ferraris and it's time for me to get uh, orange Porsches. And that does really happen. People will do that. And a lot of times they'll do it because they're, um, uh, you know, they, they just want to change up or they want to get something different or they're, you know, just maybe getting out of the car market altogether. Nice. And there was an orange Porsche there to be had a really, uh, <laughs> A slick from a distance 930 that it looked like, you're not going to believe this, but it looked like they had reshot the hood and not addressed the nicks and chips in it before they did. Oh. They just painted over it. Earl Shine, 49 out of 5, I can paint your car. It, and it wasn't a bad paint job. The paint overall looked really great, but it looked like the chips had just been painted right over. And there was a guy walking around the that 930 with a paint meter and uh, the meter readings on the nose were equally double what it was anywhere else on the car. So uh, it kind of lent itself to that idea. All righty. Now let's get into what you mentioned. The economy so far has avoided a real recession, although we're starting to see a little, a few signs of things beginning to cool and, you know, runs on banks and stuff like that. <laughs> Throw those in. <laughs> that's a monkey uh, wrench. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that, that made all the investors' pants a little tighter, mine included. Um, have there been similar signs in the collector car world? Um, I'll just go ahead and uh, say what Greg's going to say in a bit, too. Um, it's a very difficult thing to tell right now. We've got all kinds of counter indications. We've got... I mean, literally the F-body GF cars, we've got 
half of them going up and half of them going down, which makes no sort of sense at all. I mean, I'm making that up, but you know, it's one of those things where where it's just crazy making for us putting together a price guide because we're getting so much contradictory information this time. A lot of the times we'll see things going up, things going down with a little bit of spread in between. Here, I can honestly say it was like a game of 52 card pickup. Everybody just <laughs> threw every car into the air and we were you know, left to find out which one was going up and which one was going down. That's a sign of a healthy market, if you think about it, because uh, you know the market's looking for more direction. Um, I think that you're right, that everybody's waiting for the other shoe to drop with the economy. Oh, yeah. Um, however, I will remind you that no matter what, the rich get richer. Um, yeah. uh, so, uh, you know, so the, the, the high dollar cars uh, seem to be continuing upwards, and that can be a little bit counterindictory to what we find in other times. A lot of times the, the really rich people pull back because they think they're going to, uh, you know, suffer something. But this year we, uh, or this time around, we really haven't seen that. Greg. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say that uh, to call the market right now nuanced would be a uh, gross understatement. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I, you know, everything that we're seeing, it's legitimate sales, legitimate transactions. And as crazy as it looks, it's um, I, I think the market's just uh, finding out where its equilibrium is. And um, I, I don't think that we've found it yet. But um, I would say that, um, uh, you know, Calling doom and gloom would be very premature. It, I, I'm not really seeing any sort of indication that uh, that it's time to panic or the sky is falling. Uh, what, would you agree, Dave? Yeah, um, it's, it's just a, it's, it's a weird time. I mean, that's the best way to describe it. It's just a weird time to be putting together a, a you know a price guide because you know so many times we'll see oh well hey the Italian cars are just zooming. Or, you know, this kind of car is dead in the water or whatever. And we're seeing these nuanced things where, you know, the Camaros and, and Firebirds, which used to go kind of in lockstep, not necessarily this time around. So uh, it was a uh, let's put it this way. We earned 100 percent of our pay this time around. Didn't we? <laughs> we we absolutely we absolutely did. But, um, you know, that's fine. We've had a lot of. Uh, what I would call somewhat easy price guide updates over the past three years, because we kind of had a really good uh, idea of what the direction was. Now, uh, now we're starting to have to, to fish for answers. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I have two questions to follow up on that. One, uh, just before COVID and especially during the lockdown and all of that, collector cars seem to find new life as potential investments in addition to just being something you could drive and enjoy. And I'm wondering if that is still the case, if they, if they are becoming more robust as investments. Uh, and two, uh, do you think that the sales now that seem scattered or, uh, you know, every, every car is a case unto itself. Do you think that's become more condition driven rather than just someplace to park your money? Greg, you want to grab that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think that there is a, I think that there is a, a case to be said that cars are being used as investments. I mean, it, it, historically, in times of economic uncertainty, uh, cars are used to to hedge against other um, or cars or any other sort of um, of 
investment, you know, whether it be art, jewelry, watches are used to uh, hedge against uh, a uh, volatile market. So, yeah, I, I think that there's a case to be said that uh, cars are investments now. And having said that, uh, Greg and I, you know, both were marveling at the number of cars that were bought during the pandemic that were sold in the last six months. Okay. Most of them at a loss. Uh, I mean, not, you know, it wasn't like a, you know, a, a $60,000 went down to the car went down to 20,000. It was more like a $26,000 car went to 19. Um, but uh, it was interesting because when you track them by serial number or the, you know, the occasional one that just re- you remembered it from where it was, or they use the same photos to sell it as they bought it with or something like that. And of course, uh, like bring a trailer is perfect for tracking that because if you, have a car and bring a trailer three times it pops up you know where it sold last time and all that sort of stuff man we did see a lot of that but here's the thing a lot of the cars that were sold during the um, pandemic were condition two but mostly condition three and even a lot of condition four cars so the condition three and four cars are the ones that are basically taking the biggest hit right now so people are going back to wanting the nicer ones um and the uh, the the car with needs is suffering a little and I would say adding on to that, so where we really saw that takeoff was in uh, Scottsdale and Kissimmee. Um, Brett, you being a Corvette guy, you probably noticed all of the exceptional Corvettes that came up for yeah. sale in January. I mean, how many times did you see a really good C2 with a Duntov Mark of Excellence or a, a Benchmark certified car? They were everywhere. Yeah, they were. And they freaking smashed all of the price guide numbers, but those were exceptional cars. And I, I think that uh, it, it really shows that really good cars are still, still going to bring really good money. But if you really get into the weeds of the cars that uh, didn't have all that paperwork and all that certifications, but were still pretty darn good cars, they didn't perform nearly as well. Yeah, and that hurts my feelings as a guy who owns a 65 that's in spectacular shape but isn't a numbers car. <laughs> damn it jim yeah well. well here's the thing i mean you know there's there's hope for everybody who has non-number matching cars because all you have to do is rest make it into a resto mod and you'll get much more than a crap yeah let's start let's start a feud over this one but it's like uh you know you can take uh, you know anybody can take that wrecked 66 that they have you know with no motor at all and you know, add two hundred thousand and have a three hundred and seventy-five thousand dollar car, which is to me astonishing. But- well, there's there's also the uh, thought, and this is kind of where I come from. All right, numbers don't match. It's a great car. Drive the sucker. You yeah, can yeah, drive exactly. that yes. guilt free for a long time, and that's why I right. bought that car. And uh, uh, you guys know the story. I bought it. I threw my bag in it. And then I drove the thing 2,400 miles home. <laughs> right. So there, you know, there is I'm an big, upside. I'm a huge fan of buying non-numbered matching cars. There are two things that the market hates. It's the non-numbers matching car. And it's the car with a bad car fax. So what does a guy like me say? If you're not going to show the car buy it, and you're going to drive it, buy the one with the you know, the non-numbers matching engine. Because guess what? If the engine blows up, you put a new crate motor in. No mm-hmm. problem. Yeah. Problem solved. And yeah. the other thing to 
I've, I've had this happen, you know, as car guys, we all have people ask us this question. You know, my daughter's going off to college. She's wrecked two cars in high school, but I want to buy faith for college. I'm like, please go look for cars with bad Carfaxes. Look for the one that had the front and rear bumper, you know, ripped off of it. Not, you know, serious, you know, drowned or, uh, you know, in the, you know, found in the bottom of the lake or on fire or anything like that. But buy that car because, you know, your son or daughter is going to wreck it a third time. So why not? You know, so uh, you always have to be like a little on the, you know, the outside to look at that stuff that way. But big fan of non-numbers matching cars. You save money going in and you won't get that money coming back out. But what the hell? As far as the blue chips go, I think they're going to continue to do what blue chips do. I'll steal a quote from my buddy, Matt Farrow, who said, rich people do rich people things and will continue to do so. Uh, so, but other examples aside from F bodies, what have you seen that has had strange results, uh, things that were unexpected? What surprises did you find in the guide this time around? You know, it was really funny because um, I opened up Facebook about a week ago and there was an ad from Mercedes Benz showing Mercedes cars from around the world. And they focused in on the 220 model from 68 to 73. And they showed it as a taxi cab. They showed it like in Vietnam with people pushing it to jump start it, you know, all this sort of stuff. And, you know, this is not your normal uh, manufacturer's uh, ad showing the brand new shiny ones that they're selling. They were talking about how these things are so durable. And as a matter of fact, uh, one of the cars that went up the biggest of all in the book was the 68 to 73 Mercedes-Benz 220, up 40%. Yeah. Uh, wow. And oh, those yeah. cars, you know, speaking of cockroaches, I mean, you know, when the, when the world is over, you'll still be able to get in one of those things and start it and go somewhere. <laughs> They're that. So uh, deservedly so. Well, and, and there, I mean, even at 40%, they're still pretty for, uh, they're still a pretty affordable Mercedes. And I mean, you know, that's, uh, it's true for diesels and gas cars. I mean, I'm not, mm-hmm. I, my, my preference would be for a gas one, but I, I get it that people like the diesel ones, but, um, you know, these are frumpy four doors, uh, you know, to those of us of a certain age and, uh, every one of us, my age remembers getting in a taxi cab and, Amsterdam or something like that and you you know you get out of the airport and you see this long line of Mercedes and you're thinking oh wait a minute it's American these are you know these are high class luxury cars and you get them and they've got vinyl seats and very little equipment on them because they were built taxis and but they will last forever and so uh, you know it's a kind of a uh, kind of a great buy for somebody who doesn't want to um, you know maybe have the best one in the world but wants to have a reliable driver that's very very different that's a great job. Great choice. Prior to uh, uh, the very last year, I think it was 2002 for Mercedes with the R129s, but S class up until the end of the 90s, uh, E class until 96, uh, 129s until 2002. Mercedes used to be the brand that engineered to a point of performance, not a price point and uh, everybody else was seemed to be either catching up or outselling them. And when they, when they ended ended the life cycle for each of their uh, models, they went to a much cheaper built car. And I think they're suffering for it. Uh, It's, and at least for me, that's why I own a W140 platform S class and I own a 99 R129 it's because those things are just built like a bank vault. 
<laughs> you, you the quality was extraordinary, and I think they've come back to that somewhat, but they'll they have never come close to approaching what they were doing before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Uh, you know, mostly I, I think that uh, you know you can say that about Mercedes, but you can really you know widen that net out and say that about almost every car. You know, things got a lot more electronic intensive. Uh, the S class became, it went from being a, uh, you know, a car built like a bank vault to a car that cost like a bank yes. vault, yes. <laughs> you know, double pane windows with the, you know, when you close the door, the, where it goes up the other quarter inch and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. Um, they're still well built, but boy, they, you know, to your point, they, they went from being a rather simple architecture that was well-built to being a very complex ar- architecture that was well-built. Uh, I, I would argue the W140 platform was both. It was a complex architecture that's well-built. There's, okay. re- there's a reason that S600, is, is, I call it the schadenfreude express, because anytime I try to work on it, it just makes you want to do evil things. <laughs> but when it's right... When everything's right, there is no better road car. There just isn't. It's so quiet, but that six liter V12, you stick your foot in it, it will absolutely fly. So uh, again, I, I, I think that some of the earlier stuff, though simpler, uh, was better made. And I, I think that's some of the reason you're starting to see the uptick with them now. I mean, look at what S-Class, what the 140 platform has done price-wise the last three years. And for a long time, uh, there's a, there was a reason you see so many of them with so much deferred maintenance. is because they were so expensive to maintain, uh, but they were worth six grand. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, that's another discussion for another time. And yeah, they, have become, they have become the fodder for a number of auction companies that... Uh, um, you know, literally, you, you you know, you go to an auction and you're expecting collector cars, and instead you get all these late model Mercedes with, you say deferred, I say no maintenance on them that run through <laughs> all all morning long and then all afternoon long. And it, I, I get it, but uh, you know, boy, do you have to shop carefully when you're looking for one of those. Absolutely, there are fantastic ones out there that have been very well taken care of, and that's pretty much the one percent. So, walk us through some of the other surprises. Um, yeah, I, th- I think the biggest one for me was the 6970 um, GTO Judge, uh, specifically equipped with the Ram Air 4. Um, those cars did incredible. They went up by 36% on average. Wow. Yeah. Well, there were it, there were a few from Meekum Kissimmee that were outstanding. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's, what, that's what drove a lot of that as well. But boy, did they, they came out of the woodwork and they came out awful strong. They, they did, but I think what's really interesting is what was going on in the background. Uh, you compare that to, say, a uh, similar generation Oldsmobile 442, and those lost about 6% on average. Oh. Yeah. GTOs were hot, 442s. Yeah, let those 442s calm down. Yeah, come right on down, oh. especially the uh, convertibles with lighter colored interiors. Sign me up. Okay, sounds and, good. And then right in the middle, your 68 through 72 Chevelles uh, mostly held steady, and they uh, saw a little bit of an uptick for the LS6s. But uh, yeah. like like I said, the market's really nuanced right now. 
Hey, uh, when did the uh, Harley Davidson and the Lightning trucks first come out? Uh, do you have any idea? I, I think the uh, the Lightning trucks are probably uh, mid nineties. It yeah. was it was pre ninety seven because that's when they did the body change on F one fifties, and the first Lightnings were the short uh, the regular cab short box square body F one fifties. So uh, ninety four ninety five. You have one of those? I got a 2003 uh, Harley version. Okay. Well, they've done nothing. I just wanted to let you know. <laughs> wow. Uh, that was a long walk for a short view. Wow. <laughs> which is actually true. Which is actually true statistically. Thanks very little. <laughs> the 67 through 72 Ford F-Series pickups. And if I'm not mistaken, that was the first... F100s, right? I mean, that's when they uh, yeah. switched over from F1. So uh, up 37%. Wow. Yeah, Dang. no kidding. Um, uh, you know, my dad bought a uh, uh, 72 new. Uh, it was too cheap to put air conditioning in it. So we stole it from him and put it in at the uh, Sears uh, Sears store. You know, for <laughs> Underdash, underdash. Yeah, underdash. Oh, what a great thing. And, uh, <laughs> uh, with, with the 302. So lots of fond memories of that, except my dad got one in like baby blue. So, you know, all the macho-ness just taken away like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. well, it was a great truck, lasted a very, very long time. Uh, and I think that's what that is about, too. I mean, you know, pickups have been hot since mm-hmm. I, I, at least the last 15 years, and they're not going down any. No. But uh, big movement on the uh, uh, the Ford uh, F-150s from that era. So, yeah. I don't care that the value hasn't gone up on my truck. I have used the hell out of that thing this week, moving everything <laughs> out of our house. It's It's got a lot of value to me. Listen, next time, like, if this happens again, let me know, and I'll front you some money to pay rent so you can stay in the place a little longer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what the, a friend. the worst part about moving is I got two decades where the car magazines in the basement I've been trying to give to anybody who'd take them, and nobody will. Yeah, I know. I know. It's really sad. I, I've got a friend of mine who sent me an email today. Another thing where his dad is moving into a, uh, you know, a, into an old folks' home and we don't call them that anymore. I'm sorry, but uh, I do. Any, any well, <laughs> insisted yeah, I, living. <laughs> I hold that um, over anyhow. my parents' head. <laughs> and I mean, you know, he has magazines and magazines and magazines, uh-huh. and I'm like, yeah, great bonfire. Uh, <laughs> uh, with some exceptions, it's really, really sad. So. Yeah. Uh, I I, yeah. I think the possible move for me, and this is a horrible thing to say out loud. But I think I might be dropping a whole bunch of them into library book returns. Uh, <laughs> Just hopefully they'll use them, and it doesn't break my heart putting them into a recycle bin or a trash can or something like note, that. Yeah. Note to self: Kansas City area libraries, beware of. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'll give you the addresses of the three closest to me. <laughs> Sneaky guy in loud truck. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> Is this Lenexa? Uh, right. All right, guys. Any other surprises on the price guide? Yeah, we got a few. Uh, Ferrari uh, Dinos up once again. Uh, oh, yeah. Those... yeah. But this this is a 308 GT4. This is the unloved one. Yeah. So a big mover at 33%. That's 73 to 80 uh, Dino 308 GT4s. Well, and I, uh, s- I heard you mention the 246s uh, are starting to outpace Daytonas. Oh, yeah. I wrote an mm-hmm. article about that in the Haggerty Insider, and it's got a lot of traction. A lot of uh, a lot of people have uh, have read that, and there's a lot of reasons why 
I don't know if this is a forever thing. I don't know if the Daytonas are going to come back, but it's a it's a fun race to watch. But uh, oh, we could talk about that for hours. But let's get to some regular it's cars. It's a six cylinder. I know. I know. And that's this is how I know the the world is <laughs> kind of downward. An yeah, dogs <laughs> and cats living together. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, if it were your money, what would you be hunting now? What would you be? Uh, what would you be looking for? What would you not sell? And uh, I, it's kind of a, a a bad takeoff on my employer's buy sell hold. Uh, what would you hang on to? What would you get rid of? What would you be hunting? AMG GT is still looking for one. Going to find one with heavy miles on it because I don't care. I want one with 38,000 miles so I can watch it click over to, to 40,000 miles, but I ain't going to pay the same money people are paying for $4,000 ones. Uh, that's on the uh, radar screen, and I'm probably going to get a convertible because I don't have any you know, late Fair. model that, of course, is anything <laughs> past 2010 for me. I don't have any late model convertibles. And I just like the wind in my hair. Can I say? So. I mean, you have a fine mane, Dave. Would, would, would that be the hair above your eyeglasses, sir? <laughs> that, that, that'd be there. And the stuff in the ears. Don't forget that. I'm not in the mood to sell anything. And as a matter of fact, I'm probably on the prowl. Uh, my wife doesn't listen to this, so that's a good thing. I'm probably on the prowl for a brand new Japanese car in the near future. To, really? My WRX STI is getting a little lonely in the garage, so I've been thinking about... Uh, Maybe something from Toyota or maybe something from Honda with an R on the end of it. So we'll see. I I have you guys seen the new Integra Type S? I think that's I think that's one to scoop up if you can get it. Um, I think it's the Integra that everybody asked for but didn't get out of the gate, and uh, it is. Let's. I would call it the uh, the adult uh, Civic Type R. Are they going to offer it with a manual? Absolutely. Oh, cool. Okay, now you have my attention. And they, it's a manual, 320 horse, so five more horsepower than the Type R. So that's that's the one I'd be hunting down. And if uh, I would say if you have the means and can find one uh, relatively around MSRP, once they start hitting showrooms, get it. Hmm. All right. That's a good thought. That's a good thought. Um, I don't think it's a particularly great time to sell anything for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually did sell my Volkswagen convertible, but that I bought as a uh, car to sell. Uh, so that sold last week. So I'm happy about that. I had a 79 Volkswagen convertible with under 5,000 miles. That what just color? Sold. Um, the, uh, the, the kind of uh, turquoise blue. Okay. No, no, very attractive car. Um, so, uh, but, uh, um, that was something I bought for an investment. So for once my investment worked out. So <laughs> when very good yeah. Dave, I look forward to seeing you next month at McPherson where we can give each other maximum crap. Uh, mm-hmm. when are you going to bring Mr. Engold with you? Um, let's see. Um, this is something I think he would enjoy. He needs to be yeah, at this. What are you doing in the first weekend in May? Why don't you come on out? You know, I've I've been getting the same pressures from uh, Mr. Kyle Smith, uh, McPherson alum. Uh, so you know, we'll uh, we'll have to seriously consider that one. All you have I'll to do buy, is say that I'll you've been it. invited by the Sausage King of McPherson County. That's right. <laughs> it is. I, uh, without further ado, I think we should mention there's barbecue involved. In 
But, I, uh, I I did I did get the uh, the Facebook invite from the one and only Luke Channel for the uh, the famous cookout. That's right. So, yeah, um, yeah. I'll buy you the uh, the best uh, the best barbecue you can find in uh, downtown McPherson at uh, Luke's house. <laughs> <laughs> Deal, <laughs> guys. Always a pleasure having you on. We've been speaking with Dave Kenny and Greg Ingold. Well, we've been speaking with Greg. Dave and I have been flipping each other crap. Uh, can you take a minute and tell everyone where they can find you on your websites and social media? Yeah, you can find me over at uh, Haggerty Media and Haggerty Insider. I'm a pretty regular contributor there, so you can find uh, a lot of uh, pricing and markets related content over there. Uh, and you can also find mine and Dave and the whole team's work over at uh, Haggerty.com slash valuation tools. Still free and available 24 hours a day worldwide. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you can. Uh, I, I have Greg screen all my phone calls, so you can call him if you're angry. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm out there all the time. I'm at every auction, it seems like. I was even at the Mark Smith estate sale this last weekend. So, wow. Uh, Gentlemen, as always, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. Always great to have him on the show. You know, you got a good guest when you'll both give each other crap. Yeah. So nice. <laughs> and I love his little barbs. <laughs> it's oh. like, oh, oh. I am quite certain by the time I get to McPherson, Dave's going to have a half dozen zingers waiting for me. Uh, but always great having those guys on the show. And they do have a tough job tracking all those stuff. Well, I can't imagine what it's like right now. I mean, I, I do all of my tracking on Facebook. Yeah. And even on Facebook, I've seen some stuff starting to come down finally. And I'm like, okay, TikTok, if I can just wait before somebody in Norway buys my damn Chrysler, I may be good. Mm, not going to happen. I know, damn you, it. You're going to pay as much to ship it back here, too, as the car stinking <laughs> worth. You're right. <laughs> Thanks so much for spending time with Driven Radio. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it with the support and tolerance of our listeners. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> you can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show, and on LinkedIn as the Driven Radio Show podcast. You can also listen anywhere fine podcasts are heard. I am Brett Hatfield for Mark L. Groves. Yep. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time here on Driven Radio. Driven Radio.